everybody, this is FF underscore Spaceman here, and welcome to the Tale 2 Rivals. I just wanted to give a quick little announcement that my mic was a little messed up today with a setting was switched and I didn't know it until afterwards, and we worked really hard to fix it in editing. It might be a little choppy at times, or it might be, but it still was a great episode, I, and it, it, you really don't notice it, but I just thought I'd, I'd give a little shout out and let people know. So enjoy today's episode between me and Todd. Absolutely fire. So enjoy. Now, this is a story all about how my life got flipped upside down. I'd like to take a minute just sit right there and tell you how I became a prince called A Tale of Two Rivals. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Todd at FF underscore Banterman Foster, joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Happy to be here on the best place to get Dynasty football banter and information in the podcast game. Todd, it's been a while, man. I'm ready to do this. How about you? I'm excited, buddy. I'm excited. Um, It's always a good time to banter some football. Banter, banter, banter. I feel a little sad, though. Do you feel lonely? I don't... Where's our perennial plus one tonight, man? I guess he has, like baby things to get ready for and yeah it's legit it's close he's getting there so yeah sean's uh preparing to be a dad doing some things to get ready he's under two months now and it's getting real hopefully sean will join us for the next one but um i think dave and i are going to be able to hold it down wouldn't you say dave i think so todd i feel like we're getting our old chemistry back i feel like the only thing that truly won't be able to replicate is how he instigates you and me Oh, yeah. I think that we'll, we instigate each other, but not with Sean's blatant attempts to divide us. Uh, I think we're just going to have to assume that Sean's here and just automatically go from 0 to 10 every response now. I mean, we have to find a bet in every single conversation. <laughs> so with Sean missing, Sean usually comes up with the question of the day, and they're fantastic. But Dave and I put our heads together. But Dave, what is it, man? What's the greatest video game from our childhood, Todd? What, what did you have, man? Let's, let's hear what you had to say first. I went with PC to start with. My favorite game probably of all time is Age of Empires 2. I just loved that game. It had a history piece to it. It was oh, just the hours and hours of gameplay. I loved it. Then it's Mario Kart 64, which is, I feel, a staple for everyone's video games. Uh, Smash Brothers, then Madden, and then also Major League Baseball featuring Ken Griffey Jr. for the 64. So if I had to list... It's mostly sports games. Griffey Baseball is by far my favorite baseball game. However, my favorite Nintendo baseball game was Baseball Wars, where you had a choice between cyborgs, tank robots, and then like a robot with a wheel. It was fantastic. <laughs> I am familiar with that. I'm not sure if I ever played it, but I am familiar with it. I, I'm a cl- when it comes to classic games, I'm a RBI baseball guy. I, I love that, too. The Virgil MLB game was great, where I would always have Jose Canseco on my team. NBA Live was my jam back in the day. Dominated that. Madden, obviously. But if I had to pick one game I loved as a kid, it was River City Ransom for Nintendo. 
And it was this awesome game where it was just the the gameplay was like two players at the same time. You would be able to like go into stores and like you'd be able to pick up your opponents and throw them. It was like stuff that other games didn't do right away. It was like the first like really interactive game I played with a Nintendo. And it's a blast. I actually have it on the Wii. I beat it within the last year with one of my good friends. <laughs> yeah. You ready to get into the topic of the day, Dave? Yeah, what are we doing today, Todd? What's the game plan? It's mid-July. There's a lot of value left to be harvested in Dynasty markets, and a lot of the same takes are just getting repeated at this point. Players have been dissected, we analyzed hundred different ways into the offseason with no other sports to distract us. We're quarantined in our houses for months. Apparently, every single player in the NFL is going to break out according to Twitter. And as listeners of our podcast, you already have paid up for your blue chip players, like your Mahomes, your Devontae Adams, your CMCs. You've invested in the ascending players, like a DJ Moore or a Miles Sanders, before they become too expensive. You bought low on a bounce back candidate, like an AJ Green, a Baker Mayfield, or a T.Y. Hilton. Or you went out and got those aging veterans, like Julio, Gurley, Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, while others are blinded by rookie fever, and you got that 2020 title on the line. But there's one major window that we left just to crack open to mine some value. Ambiguous depth charts. Refers to when a player situation and projected opportunities unclear due to injury, competition, or simply a lack of information. This is particularly interesting to dive into with a significantly different offseason on our hands without the OTAs, the camp talk, or really any type of actual football footage. But this is still the time to buy in before the season approaches and as the prices will no doubt fluctuate after the fact. So today we're going to dive into ambiguous running backs. And we're going to give you the information to extract the most value from those muddy situations. Maybe it's grab a potential stud or getting a dirt cheap depth guy in a trade. Or maybe just you're targeting a guy off the wire from our discussion. And these are the kind of moves that can be your league winners. So, with that said, the topic of the day is ambiguous depth charts with a focus on running backs. So Dave, my question to you is, how do you identify an ambiguous depth chart? And how would you determine which ones you pay attention to, which ones you don't invest much time and effort into? So just, it's pretty easy. I think everyone could probably name five or, you know, five to eight off the top of their head, but it's, it's a situation, like you said, where just there's an un, uh, some kind of unknown factor that creates a potential value gap between their price and what their payoff could be that could emerge in season and how to get it. And I have to think, how do we get ahead of it? How do we mine that value? And that, that can go from making bets on a talent that I believe in, or it could be just, there's not a lot to tell me. I'll just take the cheaper guy so I can have a piece of that backfield. And sometimes it's, I have no freaking clue and I'm just out because I, I don't want to sink any uh, capital into it and miss out totally. So I'll just back away. So that's kind of how I'm approaching. Yeah. I mean, my, mine's not that much different. I mean, for me, it's more, it's an opportunity for someone to emerge as a reliable starter or a flex option. And usually two players with some type of hype or Maybe it's even muddier, like Pitt or Washington we're going to talk about, where it might be three or four guys. And I'll typically target battles on a competitive team from good offenses with proven quarterbacks, and I give a big bonus to solid offensive lines. So like Baltimore and Indy, 
I know technically Rivers is a new quarterback for that team, but Rivers is a veteran. I don't worry about him necessarily going somewhere new by just being as seasoned as he is. And then I look at a team like Tampa and Buffalo that have both either greatly improved their line last year or this offseason. And even Detroit's even improved their, their line this, this offseason. So, Dave, you ready to jump into the first battle or do you want to add anything, buddy? No, that's it. The first battle tonight, we just thought we'd start with everybody's a hot-button topic to keep everyone's... Because let's be honest, Todd, our intro, your, your rap, talking video games, everyone is peaked. Everyone is at a frenzy for some information. So we'd go with a very hot topic of conversation in the Dynasty world, Rojo versus Keyshawn Vaughn, and how that position battle is going to play out. Todd, why don't you start us off? Well, before anything, I want you to know that we are getting new listeners just for my vocal styling, so you better show some respect, all right? Uh, Hamilton went right to your head. Because I'm that good. But anyways, yeah, so from between Rojo and Vaughn. So Rojo is a guy who has been just slandered after last year, but he wasn't as bad as people make him out to be. He had 1,000 all-purpose yards, 31 catches, 6 TDs. Yeah, it's not terrible. I mean, is he a stud? No, but it's respectable. So you got a Tampa Bay offense putting up big passing numbers. And why were they putting up big passing numbers? Because they're always playing from behind and they couldn't run the ball. So I honestly see an uptick in the run game. So whoever adopts it will just get volume from that alone. Now, the one thing that worries me about Rojo is he's not Arian's guy because he wasn't like a draft pick for him. And Tampa did spend some serious capital on Vaughn who was a workhorse in college. But Vaughn also regressed as a senior when he got a bit older. But he's a good back, and I was super high on him when he first got out. So, But I've tempered that a little bit now because I had a little buck scurvy a bit with that offense going on. And while Vaughn's more of an in-between-the-tackles guy and Rojo's more of the outside, I do think it's going to be more of a committee because they just complement each other so well. So I don't really see a clear workhorse coming out of this from like just a straight-up carries and volume standpoint. So when it comes from a carries, I see pretty close to a 50-50 split. So that's why I go for Rojo with the receiving upside and the two years of experience to give him the edge in a very weird offseason. And I actually think that he could be cheaper in some situations. They're like, it's really back and forth who people select first between Vaughn and Rojo in drafts. It, it, it's still a very polarizing situation. What about you, Dave, between these two guys? Well, I'm just going to stick with the youth, and I'm going to go with Vaughn because he's the rookie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I get that. Uh, wait a second here, Todd. Uh, Rojo is actually younger than Keyshawn Vaughn, even though he's going to his third year. So I'm going to have to change that typical narrative that I have there. But in all seriousness, my instincts usually always tell me in these kind of confusing situations is to go with the cheapest option. And you, while you said that sometimes it fluctuates in drafts, Rojo's going two rounds behind uh, Vaughn in DLF ADP. There's a lot of people who are high on Keyshawn Vaughn and that, uh, you know, Todd, it's that un, what's in the box. People do not know exactly what Keyshawn Vaughn's about. Uh, Bruce Arians was talking up how he wanted a three down back before the draft. And then they, well, they targeted and went out and got Keyshawn Vaughn. So people are connecting those things together. But overall, I agree with mostly with everything we were saying about as far as Rojo and Vaughn are concerned. And Rojo's a classic case of failing to live up to expectations. That's what it is. I, yeah, I, I think he disappointed. I don't think he's been a bust, like people have said, but he's definitely hasn't met the expectations. And, you know, I had to actually went back to it, and I did a little research, and I reround the tape, and I went to our first episode that we recorded ever for A Tale of Two Rivals, and that was just for our league, when we dissected the 2018 
rookie draft that we had for our league. And I was very low on him coming out. He was my RB9 pre-draft, and I moved him up to RB6 with the Tampa Bay landing spot. But I'm going to quote Todd here. He was Todd's <laughs> RB3, and to quote Todd, he didn't have the balls to move up to RB2, but that's what I wanted to do at the time. So, <laughs> so you know, Todd's talking about, oh, you know, all this rojo. So I just want to say I predicted this, and I'm here for it. So let's go. And uh, so I just had to do that little rib there because I had to wind back the tape. I love this tape. I did. I love this tape. I really did. Uh. And so and a couple of things I do disagree with you is your analysis. I don't think Rojo has the receiving upside that you pay him to be. Vaughn was more of a receiver in college than Rojo was. And I think that's actually what Vaughn's specialty is, is the receiving game. And he showed that in college, in the SEC. <laughs> yeah, he did. He had, he had the reception. Yeah, that, dude, he hit a lot of important thresholds as far as receiving backs are concerned. For one year. It's more than Rojo ever did. You also said that Vaughn regressed. And while, yeah, his numbers went down, that whole team took a nosedive. That team was bad. 100%. It was a bad team. I don't think we can blame Vaughn for that because sometimes the running back depends a lot on its surrounding talent, which we see a lot in the NFL too. So and I'm not saying that's exactly what you were saying, but I just wanted to make sure to say that I don't, I don't think it was totally Vaughn's point. But I'll reiterate, I'll take Rojo because it's the cheaper option. And I want a piece of that, that Bucks offense, which truly could be a great offense with Brady coming in and Grant coming out of retirement. And I feel like I do want Jones more in redraft than actual dynasty. Okay. Because if Rojo doesn't hit this year, I think his value really tanks, whereas Vaughn's might have a little bit more of a shelf life. But so in dynasty, I'm okay with staying out of the situation, but in redraft especially, I, I, took, jo I took Rojo in the 11th round of the Scott Vishbowl, and I, and I felt like that was cash in hand right there. To respond on a few of those points, like one of the things with Vaughn is, you're right, that the Vanderbilt just, was just a bad team. I think my whole point about that is I couldn't just buy into Vaughn over Rojo with that there. That does something to me in, in the buy-in process. And I don't necessarily agree with the whole receiving part because, sure, in college, maybe that was the case. But Jones got 40 targets and he had 31 catches and he was averaging 10 yards of reception. Could Vaughn take that production? Sure. I also think it's a weird time to be relying on a guy to become a receiving back when they're not having the regular camp. So when you came up at the point where I'm more into Jones in 2020 than Vaughn, I think that's where my head's at. I'd rather buy into the guy that I have confidence in the situation this year. And if I miss, I also don't think you're spending a lot of cap on either of these guys. Vaughn was going in the late first round and he even higher at some points in, the, in rookie yeah. drafts. So, yeah, I mean, with, with Vaughn being away first, and I even considered him at, in the first round, but I eventually decided I'm like, I'm absolutely insane where I could trade back to get him. So I don't disagree with the idea that Vaughn has a better dynasty outlook, but I do like the idea of Jones in 2020. And if Jones hits in 2020, what's Vaughn's dynasty outlook? It's, it's not the same as what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm not saying that Vaughn has a better dynasty value. I'm saying that Vaughn, if he doesn't hit this year, he has a longer window, whereas Rojo doesn't hit, it, he, his value craters. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that Vaughn has more value in dynasty, just that it's, it's a little bit safer for the immediate time. That's true. That is, that is actually what you were trying to say. I do agree with that. Yeah, so no, I mean, I'm more Jones, but it's, I don't know, man. If you ask me like in two weeks, I might go Vaughn. It's a tough situation, but if I had to be confident in the pick, I'm picking Jones. 
So let's try. See how there's only two of us tonight, Todd? Let's try some Rapid Finder with yep. our favorite app, DLF Trade Finder. Ronald Jones or Matt Burita? Matt Burita. I'll go Ronald Jones uh, pretty easily just because I'd rather have a piece of that offense than Miami's offense. Uh, what about Ronald Jones or A.J. Green? A.J. Green. Same here. I don't think a lot of people agree with this, though, Todd. Ronald Jones or Jordan Howard? Ronald Jones. I believe, I, yes, I'm also Ronald Jones. And then Ronald Jones or Michael Pittman? That would come down to roster construction. If I need a back, obviously, I, 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 I have to go Jones. But just straight up in a vacuum, I'll go Pittman. I think that kind of sums it up pretty well. Yeah. Did you notice I went Burita, but not Howard? Yes, Todd, I did. Maybe that's a foreshadowing for later on in the show. Ooh. Joko. <laughs> <laughs> Position battle two. We're going into the Ravens' backfield. Where we're talking about that last backfield, I'd say those are like middling prospects. I don't see anybody looking at either of those guys jumping into RB1 situations. These two guys have either been RB1s or projected to be RB1s at some point in the game. This is going to matter a lot for fantasy. This, how this plays out, Todd, might shape championships. 100%. We really should have started with this one, honestly. Uh, we, had to, we had to warm up, Todd. I got the juices flowing <laughs> now. Let's go, baby. Ravens backfield. So we're talking about the stud that is Gus Edwards. Excuse me. I, I, I'm kidding. We're talking about Ravens backfield, which is Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins. Dave, why don't you start us off? I'm just shaking my head with that Gus Edwards. Kind Great buy low in Dynasty. <laughs> All right. So weeks one through 16, Baltimore almost had 600 rush attempts last year. Those numbers will probably go down a little bit with a harder strength of schedule this season. I don't think they're going to be as, as many run-friendly situations. So that might, 600 points might go down, but not too drastic with how this offense is projected to perform. And Dobbins and Ingram should both see enough volume to be relevant this season. I don't think there's going to be a case where one player gets all of it and another player gets nothing. There's going to be value for both these players that probably it fluctuates throughout the season, but they will be, always have value. And it's just going to be hard to predict from a week-to-week basis, which does give me pause because, you know, people forget before the season when we're making our projections about how much of a week-to-week game fantasy football becomes and making these roster decisions and how important that is. So that could be a struggle between Dobbins and Ingram as the season goes on. But honestly, this feels more like a redraft question than a dynasty question because I think our, our both of us are on the same page as far as Dobbins is the long-term dynasty asset. Right, Todd? Yeah, absolutely. That's why I'm all in on Dobbins. I, I believe in the talent, and, and I'm not saying that to detract anything from future Hall of Famer Mark Ingram. So I'll just bet on Dobbins. I believe in that talent. He's actually cheaper in redraft, according to ADP. I'll believe that Dobbins, he is so electric that he is so good that they won't be able to keep the, the ball out of his hands, and, and I'll bet on that. That's how I'm going to approach it this season. How dare you slander the future Hall of Famer Mark Ingram? I am furious. I don't know, I'm just not that mad. <laughs> it, it is more of a reject. You pretty much hit it. Like, obviously, Dobbins is the dynasty guy, but I agree. I do think that both guys are going to eat in 2020. I see both guys possibly finishing as RB2s if it shook up that way. Yeah, I definitely could see that happening. It's not that crazy, but I'm actually more Ingram in 2020. I think that has a lot to do with this weird offseason. That veteran piece and the transition piece is going to be a lot more of a factor in 2020. And Ingram is still good. He's still a very good player. 
He's still a very effective player. Dobbins is going to need a little bit more time before he gets there. And there has to be a window for Dobbins to take over that backfield. Do I think it happens in 2020? Probably, because I think that Dobbins is that good of a player that even if Ingram's like productive, it's going to be a short leash to give Dobbins the opportunity. But I think that in 2020, I'm all about Ingram. But it's clear Dobbins is the is a dynasty investment. However, Dave, in dynasty, he's undervalued, right? Big time. And if you're a contender, perfect guy to target your RB three, RB four situation, especially if you start more than two backs. Ingram is a great target for a winner, and his value is very, very low right now because of J.K. Dobbins. I agree, Todd. I actually have some follow-up questions for you. Now, people might be starting to move into that redraft mindset. According to Fantasy Pros ADP, Ingram's going ahead of Dobbins. Do you agree with that? Would you pick Ingram ahead of Dobbins for 2020? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That offense was dynamic, and Ingram was a big part of that offense. He's just not going to lose his spot just because they got a freak athlete. And the other thing I think that Ingram has and the upside is, Dobbins is a very good receiving back, but Ingram's already a good receiving back that's showing it in the NFL. He's going to be the guy they're going to trust in those situations. Ingram's a leader, too, in that team. Big time. Uh, One more follow-up question, Todd. I believe you said how you could maybe see Dobbins taking over late. Mm -hmm. Could you see maybe three or four weeks into the season, Ingram's eating? Would you trade him at a high point? In, in redraft or dynasty to try to cash out and knowing that it might switch over in that playoff run where it matters most. If it's redraft and I'm not trading Mark Ingram, if he's like somewhere in the RB one, I mean, he wasn't, he was a top six RB at one point last year. If he's like in the RB one high RB two discussion by about like week four or six. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking to move him. Absolutely. Cash out, grab something. But In Dynasty, it really comes down to your situation. If you're a strong team, if you truly believe you can win it, what you might get back from Ingram might not help you in your pursuit for a 2020 title. Agreed, Todd. If you're winning, why would people acquire it? Because you're already the person who has the best. It's not like, why would you give up a guy who's helping you win now? So that's totally, that makes sense. If you cannot say that you're contending, you should be trading Mark Ingram the moment that his value maxes out. And when you said week four, I would say the window is probably more like week six for me. I don't know when their bye week is or anything like that. And, you know, who knows with the injuries and, and whatever. It was just a like, strike while the iron's hot kind of thing, knowing in yeah. your head going with it. But I, I don't disagree with you. I just kind of, I thought it was an interesting question. Absolutely. All right. We talked about two teams, Tampa and Baltimore, that will probably be competitors in 2020. Now let's go to some teams that will probably be having a top uh, draft pick in 2021. We're going to be looking at the Detroit Lions backfield. We're looking at Carrion Johnson, who was everybody's darling for a while. And then DeAndre Swift came in and blew up that whole situation. Dave, what do you make of the Detroit backfield? So I thought Carrion was very overrated coming out of Auburn. I bought into Matt Kelly's whole shtick about he was Carrion Johnson. And on the podcast, I said as much. He took a lot of direct snaps at Auburn made him overrated because it didn't really match up as much the NFL and also while I've said in the past I don't really care as much about yard per carry but when it's a 33rd percentile yard per carry it was a red flag for me in my mind especially coming out of Auburn he didn't have the the numbers the measurables that I cared about okay receiving back but that always stuck in my head that I just didn't feel that exciting to me now that being said that was just as a prospect 
once he got to the NFL, he did show some flashes. And I actually re- reversed course a little bit. And I believe a lot of that had to do with you. You got me thinking a lot about Carrion because you were a pretty big believer. Maybe I'm a little disappointed. I have a little bias here with Carrion. And now looking at the DeAndre Swift side. DeAndre Swift, in every fantasy-relevant aspect of his game, he is better than every single running back in that Detroit backfield. He's a better pass catcher than anyone there. He's better between the tackles than anyone there. People think he's a little small, but he's 5'9". He's got an 87th percentile BMI. And I had to go back-to-back weeks with talking about BMI because you know how I love it, Todd. <laughs> but I'm not worried about that. Yes, he didn't see, didn't handle a huge workload at, at Georgia. But at this point, everyone knows that's not how Georgia used their backs. They saved them. That's part of the recruiting pitch. They want you to be fresh for the NFL because they have a lot of good recruits there. DeAndre Swift can do everything. He's a truly blue-chip prospect. And people just soured because he landed in Detroit. F it. I'm all in on Swift. People forgot about how good he is. And they're letting Matt Patricia cloud their judgment. Who knows? The pencil man might not be here next year. And DeAndre Swift can be taking passes from Matthew Stafford. And they've improved that offensive line. Give me DeAndre Swift, baby. And I think he's being undervalued, especially in redraft. But I actually have him up a lot higher in Dynasty as well, because I'm very high on DeAndre Swift, and I think now's a great time to get him, because he's not getting the same respect as some of those top backs are, like a Dobbins, like a Jonathan Taylor. He's not getting that respect. Yeah, man, I loved Carrion coming out. With Carrion, it was kind of like, Dave's right, he was never like a phenomenal prospect. DeAndre Swift is an outstanding prospect, a great prospect. He was the RB1 on a lot of preseason boards going into this season. Jonathan Taylor overstepped him. CEH was lower on most boards than Swift pre-draft because Swift's a better football player. I'm just going to flat out say that. I agree 100%. In a vacuum, I'd rather have Swift. 100%. And honestly, I'm passing on CEH for Swift. Say if Jonathan Taylor's off the board, I would totally trade out of CH just so I can get a piece of, of Swift. I, I'll take the talent, baby. Give me the talent. Yeah. People made the same mistake with Nick Chubb. They're like, oh, they don't like the landing spot with Carlos Hyde in, in Cleveland, and Cleveland's a dumpster fire. And don't make the same mistake with a different type of back, but still the same type of blue chip back because they're both that good of players. Absolutely. And with Swift, you're getting a fantastic player who just happens to be in this Weird situation. It's a little ambiguous like this is why we're talking about this. Carry-on's there. But everyone's a low on carry-on. Can Swift really take him over? The answer is yes. Well, the Lions are pretty bad. Why would I invest in the uh, like a running back on the Lions? Because the Lions have gotten better. And I think the part that people are pretty low on is that their offensive line really wasn't that bad. PFF ranked them top 15 in the NFL. And they go off and get Jonah Jackson, the guard out of Ohio State. He was one of PFF's top-rated interior linemen. Josh Stidham kind of a guy. That's a great addition to your line. They cut a lot of the dead weight, too. There was dead weight on that line, and they got rid of it. Wagner was garbage, and they got rid of him. Hollypudi Vati Vaitai replaced Wagner at that tackle spot. And it was a major addition. Big V, as they call him. Dave, I, I nailed that name, by the way. I nailed that name. I don't think you've ever practiced that. That was the first time you've ever tried. I've never. Yeah, that was the first time I ever tried that. Absolutely. But he was ranked as the eighth best run blocking tackle in the NFL last year. 
Am I investing in Detroit, like, as a winner? No, but, like, there's there's progress going on here. And I was high on Swift pre-draft. And he's the kind of guy that, yeah, landing spots matter for running backs, but he's talented enough that I'm investing in him just about anywhere, honestly. Todd, we haven't spent enough time on this. Swift's true, like, well, yes, he's a very well-rounded back, but his true prowess is in the receiving game. Yep. And with that defense in Detroit, they got rid of Slay. There's a lot of holes in that defense. They're going to be in a lot of high-scoring games on turf. Swift's going to be a weapon out of the backfield. And I want a piece of that. Give it to me, baby. I think we need to highlight that a little bit, just a little bit more, just because that's how good he is catching the ball. That's a phenomenal point. I, like, I'm ashamed that we didn't talk about that. Swift is a fantastic investment. I invested in him in our own league, and I gave up quite a bit to go and get him. I even texted Dave right after I made that trade, and I just said, congratulations, I lost a trade. I overpaid for this guy. <laughs> I think he's a guy that has capability of being a top 12 back in the NFL. Easy. Switching a little bit, too, because we've really pooped on carry-on here. Do you think he has any value? Like, is this a post-hype sleeper? I know that sometimes when I have this strong of an emotional response to something, that means I'm overlooking something at times. Am I sleeping on? Does carry-on have value, or should I? Is he dust? Carry-on has value in 2020. I think where carry-on has value in 2020 is, if healthy, carry-on can still get 100 carries. Carry-on still can get 20 to 30 targets. You're talking about 100 to 130 touches. And I say that's worth the gamble if the price is right. My bottom line is a late second for him. But even if it comes down to that, it's more about roster construction. Because I'm not optimistic about him staying healthy. Wow, a late second. I feel like that's high. That's what I'm saying. If I'm in a competitive situation and I need a fourth running back, that's a good investment to just try to take a gamble on to see. And if he hits and he's, he's a usable flex, you just hit gold, dude. But again, I'm not optimistic about him being healthy. And I think the price could be lower than that. That's why I'm saying that's my bottom line, because it is expensive. I actually might approach it as if I was a rebuilding team. People are trying to get carrying off their teams. I've heard podcasts, the Rookie Whisperer podcast, mentioned about how people just cannot get carry on off their teams fast enough. If that's the case, as a rebuilding team, why not take a little contrarian bet, invest a third rounder, and if he hits, you've really turned an eh asset into something that's really valuable and that would be traded, tradable asset for a contender. So I think that's not a bad way to approach it either. I would invest a third rounder and carry on Johnson on any team. End of story. Yeah. I was just trying to approach it from a, you know, it, you don't have to be a contender to get carry on kind of deal. Absolutely. Just not on my team. He won't be on my team. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave's like, it's a great price, but I'm not paying it. Yeah, I'm not paying that one. <laughs> I'm out. I, 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 I have starry okay. eyes for Swift. All right. Our next battle feels like the wasteland, Todd. I don't even know how to really approach this. This is Devin Singletary versus Zach Moss in Buffalo. I actually should mention the real running back on that team, Josh Allen, because I'm not sure if he's a quarterback. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's our next position battle, Todd. What are your thoughts? It's a nightmare situation for Singletary's dynasty value, even though Moss is the perfect fit in this committee. Moss is a tough runner who regularly breaks tackles, makes a living in between the tackles. And you know what that sounds like to me? Early down work and a goal line vulture. First, second down, Moss could kind of be that guy. You know, they're inside the 10. I'm probably looking to Moss to hand the ball off to. 
unreal college production. Three straight seasons with a thousand yards, including fourteen hundred over fourteen hundred and fifteen TDs, to cap off his career. Don't get me wrong, Singletary is still in the mix, and he has receiving upside. But his quarterback still Josh Allen. Let's not forget that. I'm Team Moss all day here, and if I'm in Dynasty and I'm owning Singletary, I am selling him like yesterday. That's how I feel about this. I'd rather take the guy that I know that's going to be able to get that grinding work, and I'm going to buy on a Moss on that. <sighs> this is one of those things where I know people aren't supposed to say, I don't know. I really don't know. I think that's a cop-out. I wasn't really a fan of Singletary coming out, but he did flash at times. I know he had that stretch that people will not stop oogling over, and... He, he did have dis- decent peripheral stats, too. He had decent evaded tackles and a juke rate. But, God, good for you. If you get it right here, Todd, it's, it really is It's a coin flip. And if you get it right, good for you. I think it's going to be a, a committee backfield. And my brain tells me Zach Moss is the grinder, like you kind of said. And even though Josh Allen might vulture some TDs there like he has in the past, I think I want Zach Moss because he's cheaper. But I still don't want either of them. It doesn't matter. Even though I'm higher, I don't want either one. I got a question for you. Why do you hate Zach Moss? <sighs> because he's on Buffalo. That's why. No, you didn't like him pre-draft. I was not high on him pre-draft. You're right. I think he doesn't really flash. All right, man. So you're all about broken tackles. He did have great tackle numbers. I agree. He did. Phenomenal. He had the second most broken tackles in the rookie class next to CEH. Why all of a sudden does that not matter in your process? Breaking tackles against inferior competition. He plays in the Pac-12. Ah, come on. Are there defenses in the Pac-12? <laughs> there are defenses in the Pac-12. All right. Oricom is a naturally ranked defense, dude. I mean, so for me, the other thing, too, is I also feel like Moss doesn't have the receiving upside that you need, Dave. Moss is a great running back, and he's going to be the guy that you're looking at a grinder. I feel like the same reasons why you hate Zach Moss is the reasons you hate Derrick Henry. No, 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 no. Because I don't, I don't hate Derrick Henry. You hate all. Derrick Henry. I do not. I just don't like his value, Todd. That's a difference. I love watching Derrick Henry play. I just don't like his value. They, they invested more draft capital in Singletary. They, Singletary's <laughs> shown something. It's a messy situation, Todd. I think they're overrated as a whole. All right. But people can stop the run in that team. They stop Josh Allen from scrambling. They stop the run, and they're not going to score a lot of points in that team. It's the most improved offensive line in 2019. I think Moss is a fantastic running back. I think that he's a guy. Fantastic. I do. I've watched him play quite a bit. I think this is where he's the exception to the rules when it comes to the measurables. Well, he was injured, so I don't really take his... I don't take his 40 time as gospel because he was injured. So I'm looking at a guy that is a better fit for first, second down work. I think that he could be very effective in that role. And in 2020, like, I would probably want to invest in Moss because if it's redraft, you're getting him in double-digit rounds easy. And Singletary, you got to spend a top eight round pick for Singletary, and I'm not doing that, you know? So if I'm approaching 2020 like that in my head for redraft, from a dynasty standpoint— and in my second year, I'm already thinking about that guy with another rookie coming in with a lesser draft capital. I'm selling. I'm selling all day on Singletary, and I'm buying all day on Moss. Todd's selling, but he could have been like me and never been buying. That's fine, but if I bought, <laughs> I bought in cheap, and now I could sell for high, David, and I didn't get in my own way. Got it? 
Yeah, I'm out. I I think this might be the only time I'll say I'm out on the situation as a whole. I don't want any piece of it. Zach Moss, baby, invest. All right, Battle 5. We are Pats fans, and we're talking about another AFC East team. And it's really depressing to think these teams could actually beat us this year. Dolphins running backs. We're looking at Matt Burita and Jordan Howard. A little bit of like a little thunder, a little lightning, if you will. David, you more for the thunder or you more for the lightning? I think I want the thunder, if I'm getting your, your metaphor right here. I've always been a fan of Brita, and he's flashed in my, my invited tackles research at times. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's the lightning. He's the lightning. I know. Yes, yes, know. he's the lightning. He's okay. the lightning. One's fast and one's a plotter. I know that, Todd. I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Couldn't tell. <laughs> I've been a fan of Brita, and he's really flashed in my video tackles research and heading back all the way back into his year two. He was a buy for me, even though he was low in value. He was undrafted free agent. He, fl- he flashes great talent, and, he, and a major ding on him has obviously been injuries, but I'm a fan. I like his play style and just what he represents as a player. However, this is just comes down to the cold hard facts for me. I'll lean Howard just because they paid Howard real money. They got him first. He'll get the first crack of things, and I'd be surprised. And that being said, just because he gets the first crack of things, I don't think they're going to run Howard in the ground. He's not going to get 300 touches or anything like that. So I think Brita has value, but the back that I'll invest in, I'll invest in Howard. I will say, Todd, the home run swing is Brita because if, he, if Howard goes down or underwhelms and Brita gets a lot, you know, takes over that role, that's a big home run swing and Brita could pay off. Honestly, they're both low-cost targets here, and I don't feel passionately one way or the other. I get the argument with Howard getting paid real money. My only counter to that is, is that Burita's move came second, and it was a draft day move. So, like, did they know that could happen? You know what I mean? It's kind of like they fell into a situation, and maybe they, like, they made that Burita trade, and they're like, crap, we paid Jordan Howard. Why did we do that? Well, they weren't going to have Patrick Laird be their RB2, so they had to do something. True, true. Well, I I think what is going to happen is, I think you're right. I think Jordan Howard is going to plod his way through there. And Flores is going to not have any balls and not going to go with Burrito to start, who has significantly more upside and versatility to an offense than Howard ever could. Howard is literally the only player in my mind that has consistently been worse since his rookie years for four straight years. It's like, my whole idea of Jordan Howard is, I always try to trade for him when he's low. He has those first two big games, and then I'm like, who wants him? Yeah, so I am absolutely a Burrito believer here a gritty fast underachiever who will continue to be productive when he gets his opportunity the one thing that howard kills with burita is that whole td vulturing piece i like i get the idea of the physical back howard leading and burita coming in as a change of pace but i just believe that burita is just a better player do you think it's weird that shanahan who has a pretty good feel for running backs traded away burita no because i think that he I think that that was a contract thing, and I think that for Shanahan, he, he still has too many running backs after trading Barina. If McKinnon's healthy, he just kind of like slides into that role. Do I think McKinnon's as good as Barina? No, I don't. But they still got Wilson, they'd have McKinnon, then you'd have Coleman, and then you'd have Mostert. Barina, somebody was expendable, and I don't think they're going to get anything from McKinnon, they weren't going to get anything for Wilson, so they got something for Barina. So... I would go Burita because I like the upside there. I do think Howard will vulture the TDs. 
but I would not want to rely on either, given the fact that I think the Dolphins aligned is atrocious. So I think that wraps it up, Todd. Now that talking to you, why not just take the home run swing and Brita? Is Howard really a home run swing? Yeah, he has value, maybe investing early on. And when he had zero value, and now that it's gone up a little bit, now sell on him. But why not just take the home run swing and Brita and call it a day? All right. So battle six, we got the Washington backfield, which is Geis, AP, Gibson, Love, Peyton Barber. I'm sure I forgot somebody in there. Dave, what do you make of this mess? I have to do an apology to all the subscribers at Dynasty Football Factory. As the Superflex ranker there, I've been living in a shell of myself. I'm not sure what, what the cause is, but it's oh, actually, I do know what the cause is. It's, it's Geis' heartbreak. Geis has broken my heart too many times in his first two seasons. I just can't handle it. I start to get excited again. I start to get my energy up, and I start getting excited for him, and he goes, and he breaks my heart again, Todd. And then looking at this, getting ready for the show, I felt a spark again. I felt the spark. I went and looked at my rankings. I was like, Dave, this doesn't look like you, man. Where are you? I don't see you in these rankings. I don't see... I, usually I can see myself weaved in throughout the spreadsheet rankings, Todd. No. And then I moved guys up, and I could feel myself growing inside. I was coming back to life. I was feeling things again. Easy. Family show. Family show. Inside, Todd. Metaphor. Inside. Eesh. Todd, I'm, a, I'm back in, baby. I'm not all in. I'll take him at value. I'm not ahead of his, on his ADP or anything. Let's be real here. Who thought I was going to be rational about this topic? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's Darius Geis, baby. <laughs> no one did. No Darius. one did. I'm sure Darius Geis knows who you are now. I've been dormant, Todd. I really have. I had him low. I was significantly lower on him in my rankings than consensus. And now I love him in redraft. And in Dynasty, I'll still, he's still worth investing. But I love where he's going in redraft. That's a great place to target him. Geis is my guy in this backfield. It's him or bust for me. That being said, I still think AP impressed last season. People think that he's washed up. I disagree. He had impressive evaded tackles. Number he had the 11th most evaded tackles in the league last year overall. 13th most evaded tackles per game. And he was 8th in the league with breakaway runs. So it wasn't just like he was making people miss. No, he was still breaking the big plays too. And if Geis does get injured and breaks our hearts again, there's value to be had in AP because I'll invest a fourth round pick in him, maybe a late third, and if I'm a contender all day, because if he gets the opportunity, he's not dead yet, people. I love that take. A fourth for Adrian Peterson. I wish I still had my fourth. I'd try that right now. Yeah, I mean, I get the Peterson piece. I'm moving on. I think he's like a waiver Hail Mary. I'm all in on guys this year, dude. I'm all in on guys. His price for where his talent's at, I mean, his ADP for Superflex was at 94 last I checked. That's nuts. I'm all in on buying that talent at like an RB3, RB4 price. I think he's the only guy in that backfield that I invest in and I believe is a difference maker to my team. So what about Gibson, Todd? I am out. I'm not a believer. I'm selling there. I haven't really seen a lot there that attracts me to it. I get the receiving upside, the versatility and the athlete. Gibson's a guy to me. I was ready to be excited about landing spot dependent, and Washington's not the landing spot for me to want to invest in him. He's intriguing, Todd, because he is an exciting player, but every place he's been on the field, he's been a playmaker. People are comparing him to David Johnson. David Johnson had a big workload in college, Todd. Mm -hmm. 
He was not just a, oh, a gadget player who broke big plays at Memphis, who's known for making big plays and has a crazy system that gives you great big plays. I don't see it with Gibson, but at his price in the third round, it's not terrible. But the thing is, is that there always was one believer who always would beat you to Gibson. That's the thing. There's always one person who's bought in on Gibson, so he's tough to get a hold of yeah. if you're not a fan. But aren't you a Peyton Barber guy, Todd? I think you love Peyton Barber, right? No, I don't like Peyton Barber. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. I like Peyton Barber last year because he was cheap. The guy that I actually really like on that team is Bryce Love. Ugh. But I'd like him on any other team. Like, he's just buried. Like, he's never going to see the field. Long story short, I don't want to talk about Washington running backs more than anything. Guy's just a guy to invest in. Talking about a guy that was looking to be the number one overall pick in some rookie drafts just a couple years ago. And now he's looking at being a ninth round selection in startups. The guy is a special talent who's had some unfortunate injuries all day, dude. All day. I can't get him anywhere because everyone knows how I feel about him. Yeah, because everyone, like, <laughs> everyone's like, everyone's like, you could just like Dave wants him more, but you actually you get him, then you trade him all the time. I've had, yeah, yeah. Well, you've traded for him and traded him away at least three times. Yeah, yep, yep. You and Darius guys are like starstruck lovers. Todd, I still believe it's going to end happy for us. Like I said last week, I believe in happy endings, fairy tales, and and the and the love story. Let me ask you, what's the ceiling on guys in twenty twenty? Realistically, a top twelve running back. Uh, unrealistically. Uh, the RB1, and... <laughs> I love how you're realistic with so somewhat unrealistic. <laughs> That's great. That, yeah, he's that special. Now, uh, but thinking in that offense, a high-end RB2 probably is how it's going to play out, if, if he stays healthy. So you're seeing him as a top 20 guy this year? If he's healthy, yeah. I think the reason why he's going where he is is because of injury concerns. Huh. All right. That's why I love him in redraft, Todd. That's why I love him in redraft. The only thing that ever holds me back on guys is the fact that he's just in that dumpster fire of a team. I believe in Ron Rivera. I hope he can right the ship. He's already saying yeah. the right things now. Yeah, actually, you know what? With Ron Rivera, new coach, veteran coach, gifted running back, that's actually a narrative I haven't thought enough about. That actually gets me a little excited. I think about everything when it comes to Darius Guy Todd. I stay up late at night thinking about him. Does Njoku get in that action sometimes? Oh, yeah. Oh, Todd, I'm not. Anything else I say will not be. We'll, we'll have to put an explicit uh, rating on this show. So let's just Choke move it forward up. here. <laughs> to wrap up tonight's episode, another hot button topic. A lot of hot takes being thrown out on the Twitterverse about, you probably guess it, the Steelers running backs. Everybody wants to talk about him, Todd. Everybody has a take on if John, James Conner is injury prone, if he's not. Is Anthony McFarlane the next big thing? Are people sleeping on Snells and Samuels? What's going on, Todd? What's the take here? All right. I see a lot of people buying James Conner as a comeback uh, running back candidate. Weirdly, because he was not liked at all early in the offseason. It just kind of happened. Last couple months, I feel like people were just bored and trying to find new takes. But I don't see where the optimism is coming from all of a sudden. Sure, I still see him as the lead back in Pittsburgh. But his workload is absolutely get cut down. You got Snell will probably cut into the between the tackles work. And he is an insane investment right now because he's the guy who's going to probably get Connor's work if he goes down. Then you got McFarlane. What do you mean when you say insane investment? Can you clarify that? You mean like he's a great investment? Is that what you're trying to say? Unbelievable. Okay. He's, his ADP right now is 229. If Connor went down, Snell gets his role. 
He's a between-the-tackles guy. He's the only between-the-tackles running back that you have there. He's the first, second down back. If Connor goes down, Snell falls into a lot of touches. That is an absolute handcuff you have to have if you own Connor. Doing something wrong by rostering James Connor, you mean? <laughs> well, yeah. If you're, if you're rostering James Connor, you're already doing something wrong. If you don't have. I actually don't really feel that. It just felt like too good of a joke to pass by. <laughs> if you're trying to win, like, yes, rostering Connor is a problem. So McFarlane, speed demon, loved him, runaway job. He's got that dynamic ability. Not a guy I was huge on because I just never saw a lot of shift in him. Just felt like he just ran away from people all the time. I don't really think that happens in the NFL to the same degree. Then he's still got a factor in Jalen Samuels, man. Connor's in a contract year. He needs to be good to cash in. I'm not really buying on anybody except for Snell. Because I think Snell is just so dirt cheap. And Samuels, actually, I would think about. And just in Dynasty, I would like Samuels as a stash and seeing if he ends up anywhere else next year. Because I think he's a good player. I think he's in a very crowded situation. What about James Connor? How do you feel about James Connor? This is a case where I have, was pretty heavily burned by James Conner last year. He was my pick at 110 in the Scott Fishbowl last year. I was heavily depending on him Ugh. to go up against you in my quest for a championship last year. And I, so I have to say there is a caveat to here that I've been burned by Conner. So that being said, I'm trying to push back through that. Conner gets the first crack. I think he's going to be that same role. I think he gets the first crack. But the question is, can he hold up? And the way his injuries have been, I don't think he's injury prone, but is he more likely to get injured in the future? Possibly. That's what, a lot, of stu- that's what a lot of stuff is telling us. And I'm not sure if I believe it, but I have to pay attention to it. It gives me doubt. I traded away Connor. Didn't even really get a lot of value for him. I used him as a kicker to try to get Miles Sanders as just a throw-in to put me over the top with a Philadelphia fan and Jared in our league. And I agree, Todd, with 100% with you. People are sleeping on Snell because he does get that role if Connor goes down. It's not McFarland because he can't handle an every down role. He's more of a gimmicky play, more of a get him in space kind of player. And I'd rather, honestly, I'm actually out of McFarland. I know a lot of people love him. I'm out of McFarland because I think Samuels actually does profile as someone who can handle a semi workload. He's shown it in small bursts when filling in in the last couple of years. He's been able to. He, he can handle more of a load, than, in my opinion, than McFarlane can. So I think Samuels is being slept on, and he was underutilized because of, I can't even, his name's escaping me right now, but that backup QB who was a bum, Mason Rudolph is his name. God, I couldn't, God. I think you hit it pretty much on the head, Todd, but I will say Connor, high risk, high reward player, because when he is on the field, and he showed it last year, when he is on the field, even when he was injured and playing through injuries, he produces, and he does so by evading tackles, by catching the ball. So there is that, but I don't like to make that kind of gamble on running backs, so I'm out on it, especially at that price, I'm out. Yeah, it's an ins- you don't want to gamble at that price. That's the issue. Oh, Dave, we did it. Todd, I thought we really hit our stride in the second half there. I'm impressed. There's a lot of running backs we didn't get to because we've talked about them in previous in previous things. As we wrap up, Todd, and before we get into our closing things, I miss Kenny a little bit. He, he de- I didn't feel the hostility towards you like I normally do. I, I got in a couple blows, but I didn't feel egged on, and I didn't have that. He is a, he's, he is a perennial plus one for a reason, Todd. We, we were really just dissecting situations, and we weren't bringing our own like buys into this. 
So we couldn't really, like, couldn't really get on each other. We agreed a lot tonight, too, which Shaw probably would have divided us for sure. He clouds everything for us, Todd. He, he's divisive. He divisive. He's cunning. He's cunning. Cunning, yes. Those, oh, yes. I like it. All right, Todd. So you did something. You just published something tonight. What? Tell us about yourself, Todd, as we head out here. All right. So uh, you can find myself at the Dynasty Football Digest. Great subscription. You can get into that. I am the Devi guy over there. And I just finished up my third installment of the top 15 Debbie QBs. I'm going to dive into the Debbie running backs and the Debbie wide receivers soon. I'm going to start doing a tail of the tape kind of a thing, comparing some of the top prospects. And here's my last pitch for you, for anybody in the Dynasty community. If you do not play Debbie, you should really look into it. It is one of the most fun formats I've ever had. And the Campus to Canton's format is my favorite format in Dynasty. Look it up. Hit me up in your DMs if you have any questions. I will help you try to find a league if I can. Great, great type of format. Dave, tell them about yourself. I am Dave Wright. You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. I'm a writer and ranker for DynastyFootballFactory.com. I just sent a piece on DJ Moore, a Dynasty profile to the editors. I'm excited about it. I, I, I put up some good stuff there and why I love him. And Todd... I just want to say, too, as we wrap up tonight, I'm still riding high from the Potathon. Shout out. We hit over $42,000 raised. Hats off to the community. Hats off to Sal, Kevin, and, and Steve's chair. And Steve, it was a great time. And I actually was on a couple podcasts in the past week, Todd. I was on IDP Nation's oh. Friday Night Lounge, where I was kept continuously people told me was picked on by you and i was like welcome to the jungle baby it's like that all the time hold on hold on hold on you brought it up how many titles do you have in ride ep week not enough i have four just saying i am a continue i am a continuously contender though you have you've lost me in the champions multiple times yeah i will say yep and uh (laughs) that's that's what you get when this is just par for the course and i also was on the Dynasty Trades HQ podcast with Chris Allen, F. Skyler, and Sam Holt. Had a lot of fun with Shane and Jeremy on the Dynasty Trades HQ. I had a little bit too much to drink towards the end there, but that's, you know, that's happens when you don't that get dinner That drink sometimes. was electric. It was. It was blindingly bright. <laughs> <laughs> so had a lot of fun with them. And then I just recently was on a podcast with the Fancy Players Club guys with uh, Brent and Levi. So check out the Fantasy Players Club. We had a lot of fun talking NFC. Yes, NFC West. Really fun time talking with those guys. I I actually can't wait till I talk to them again. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to wait, what, three months and then ask to go on again because I'm like that. (laughs) So they were that good of guys. So definitely check that out. And Todd, it's been a lot of fun talking to you tonight, getting back to our old ways, but I do miss our perennial plus one. I do too. I do too. It was actually, though, it was interesting. It's like, I forgot what it's like just to be you and me. Yeah, it felt, it was intimate. It was almost like the candlelight tonight. It was intimate, so. I felt like we should have started talking about Chase Edmonds for at least 20 more minutes. We should. Well, Todd, I I officially have talked about him on every chance I get, so I, ha- I think I've been put on a Chase Edmonds ban, so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Check us out. Subscribe us everywhere that you find your fantasy podcast. We'll catch you next time. Todd can't say the word relevant, and I don't know how many takes it took him to say Big V, or whatever that guy's name was. Ha, vati, vati?
<laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I think we took 10 takes. It's it's now 3.30 in the morning, everyone. It took Todd two hours to hit that name. Yeah, I, I couldn't name it in this part right now. Talupuri Vati Vati. I didn't even try. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Hey, it's a great run blocker. Great run blocker. Uh I don't know. It felt it felt it felt nice without Kennedy sometimes. You know? Kennedy just, you know, it, it felt like there wasn't so much hostility. Maybe because you don't like being called an old man all the time. It's true. I don't like to be reminded of my age. So <laughs> this is true. Uh, good times. Good times. 